0: for podcasting. From the Jethro's Barbecue Studio with amazing slow smoked wings and world famous baby back ribs. This is Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. The PSAs you hear in Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now
1: on 106.3 FM. Good morning. Welcome in once again. Miller and Condon on the air with you. It's a Tuesday and Ken Miller is off. He is funning and sunning in California. That means you got me, Trent Condon, with you for the next two hours. Talking the world of sports and decided to go to the bullpen today today. As we welcome in Cody Goodwin from the Des Moines Register. Cody, what's happening my man? Oh man,
2: it's a uh, I guess I'm the 7th inning relief pitcher? Is that is that the label now that we're rolling with? Yeah, you go um, with
1: a little late middle relief there? That's hey, what
2: you're looking for? I'm good with it. I'm the yeah. I'm the I'm, I'm the I'm the long stretch man in case the the starter goes down in the second or the third, right? Well, we're going to talk to you here the next
1: couple of days, plenty to get into. We're going to talk some wrestling that is your expertise no doubt.
2: Yeah. Huge
1: week in the world of wrestling. Iowa Penn State on Friday night, looking forward to that. Uh, but we start with some news today from yesterday uh, down at Oklahoma State with AJ Ferrari Jr. Uh, being involved in a car accident. Some certainly scary times last night as a story first came across from his dad, who uh, put up a comment on Facebook, is where I saw it first, and just kind of went from there. Ultimately, though he is still in the hospital, serious condition, nothing life-threatening at this point, but a, a scary story for one of the most talented wrestlers we've come th- seen come through here in recent history, a champion as a freshman, and not at a small weight, doing it at one of the bigger weights there a season ago. So tell us what you know of the story.
2: Yeah, man, this is, from from what I saw, and I'm, I am I, I know the, the Oklahoma State beat writers fairly well, um, you know, and so I'm just kind of following what they're trying to dig up last night, and um, you know, he was visiting, I believe, a local high school. Um, you know, somewhere thirty minutes, forty minutes outside of Stillwater. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he was there doing a clinic or whatnot, but there, I mean, there's a picture of there of him there with you know a youth wrestling team and. You know, then then we see the the Facebook post, like you alluded to, and you know, next thing you know, everybody's kind of glued to their phones, like what's going on? Like I'm reaching out to a handful of people that I know, just like hey, like I just like what's the deal here? Because this is you know, AJ Ferrari, like you mentioned, his wrestling credentials. You know, NCAA champ last year at 197 um, as a true freshman, um, and it was during a COVID year, so like he still has four years of eligibility left. Like a very um, very popular figure. Um, Some might say he's polarizing just Mm -hmm. because of the way he carries himself a little bit. But he's you know overall he's just he's a really good dude like he's a really good dude he's a great advocate for the sport of wrestling um you know an interesting cat absolutely, but you know just you know I think last night was kind of an example of like the wrestling community kind of circling around one of its own just to make sure that he's okay and and yeah. kind of like you said everything you know the early returns of what we've heard so far is that you know the, the crash was was horrible um you know I think he was he was trying to pass a handful of cars and it was a head on collision and, and his car rolled over a couple of times but um no No life-threatening injuries. It sounds like any injury that did happen was maybe minor. Um, I'd have to double-check that. But, yeah, he's at the... He's at the hospital still. Um, it sounds like things are going to be okay, which is excellent, excellent news. Just, you know, not even from a wrestling perspective, mm-hmm. just from a life perspective, right? So um, that's something I'm still definitely glued into, you know, today and, and even through the rest of the week. And, um, you know, just something that we're going to want to keep an eye on just because of, you know, his, his standing in the wrestling community. And, um, you know, when something happens like that at, at a premier program like Oklahoma State, it's obviously going to draw a lot of eyeballs. So, you know, fingers crossed that, that the early returns prove accurate, right?
1: Well, we're going to uh, certainly hit a lot of wrestling here in the opening segment. Coming up today, though, on the BMW Des Moines guest list, uh, later in on this hour, we're going to talk and put a cap on the Packers season with our man Dave Sinikin. joins us weekly during the NFL season. We talk with Dave, everything going on with Green Bay and yet another disappointing loss. going to say, that'll be a fun conversation. Yeah, Dave, you know, is, he's not one of the Packer people that are, you know, diehard, everything's going to be great. It's not not all sunshine and rainbows with him and now the future of Aaron Rodgers and what that's going to be and it's Here a conversation we go again. yes and that's probably going to linger, leading maybe into the draft. Is there a trade that happens beforehand? Is he going to strong arm his way out of there? So, a lot of different angles to go. Again, Dave Sinekin, the head cheese is his blog. You can find him there at the head cheese. That'll be at 1030. Then the 11 o'clock hour, we'll talk Chiefs. I know you like that, Cody. <laughs> Our man Nick Athen will join us from Chiefs Insider. We'll get a read on Kansas City as they get ready for the AFC Championship game and uh, get ready for that one with him and, of course, a, a look back. So, Cody, you are a Kansas City Chiefs. Fan, you got to see the Super Bowl for the first time in your lifetime two years ago. I was in kindergarten the last time I got to see my team win a Super Bowl. That was 1985 <laughs> into the 86 uh, New Year with the Chicago Bears. But for you as a fan, you know, you're not a beat writer for the Chiefs. You don't have to write about it in the register, nothing like that. You just get to watch this as a fan. What those final two minutes of that game into overtime had to be with you set the scene as you're watching your team get it done once
2: again just heart palpitations everywhere man um you know like it definitely looked like you know because what the the Bills scored the Chiefs scored the Bills scored and then there's you know the, the 44 yards and 13 seconds um when the Bills scored the first time that drive felt like it could have been the last drive of the game Mm -hmm. and the way the bills were approaching it with a handful of option runs you know they just took Josh Allen around the left and right ends you know they were keeping a lot of things between the hash it looked like that they wanted to make that drive the last drive of the game you know and then I think he hit Gabe Davis for one of his four touchdowns which is insane in itself <laughs> right. and you know four four touchdown night is insane two of them took place after the 2 minute warning which is just as insane if not more insane but yeah like I was like there was a part of me that like as the clock dipped under 5 minutes on that drive where I was like oh they they want this to be the, the last possession of the game and I was like if they're smart they'll pull it off yeah um you know and then we all saw what happened over the last you know minute 54 right touchdown Tyreek Hill shows why he's an alien and then the Bills come right back and it's a touchdown and then Patrick Mahomes shows why he's an alien um, which that final 13 seconds was just so bizarre to me on a lot of different levels like it was excellent play calling and execution but it was also like Buffalo what are you doing Mm -hmm. like just play your base defense like they have all three timeouts like there's no reason to play off the way like they did Um,
1: and they're playing to the sidelines
2: yeah that was I mean and I get it you know like they wanted to you know, eliminate going out of bounds so that they could stop the clock. But, like, the Chiefs had all three timeouts. three timeouts. Yeah.
1: And even before that, the kickoff decision. Now, I've seen conflicting things, and I haven't seen it, I guess, anywhere that I – I didn't see a picture. Was Tyreek on the hill for that kickoff – the kickoff return? Because if that's the case, he had the punt return earlier in the game. You understand it. He's dynamic. 13 seconds. Well, they're not probably going to score. One thing you do have to be nervous about is Tyreek bringing it back to the house. But I haven't seen – I've seen conflicting things if he was actually out on the field – for that kickoff, do you
2: know for sure? I would have to double check. My understanding is that they put Hill in there for punt returns, and Byron mm-hmm. Pringle was the kickoff return man.
1: So it wasn't even Tyreek in the game, and Pringle's fine, but
2: yeah, Tyreke's yeah, no, like there's, it's totally right. different dynamic, right? right. Um, so you don't squib it there. Yeah, I mean, I like I. I don't know because if you squid it, the ball the clock doesn't start until they get their hands on the ball, right? right? And what so, if
1: the, if it's a line drive or it bounces, you know, at the forty and
2: goes right into the hands of somebody and they put themselves down at the thirty-five? Right, they still have the twelve or thirteen seconds left, right? So you know, I I don't know what the Bills were supposed to do in that situation other than make a play, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And we all saw what happened. We can talk about the overtime rules if we want, but like as somebody who follows the Kansas City Chiefs, mm-hmm. like. Then on the other side of that, man, like I felt for the Bills. I'll be honest. I really, I felt for the Bills because like the Chiefs were in that position not too long ago and it like it stinks, like it really stinks, but like those are the rules and you had 60 regulation minutes to try and decide the game and you let it come to that, right? Like that's you know don't let it come to that right like that's that's a thing wrestling coaches say all the time mm-hmm. don't let it come to that don't let it get into the hands of the officials don't let them you know be in position to make a call like that to decide the match like just go and take care of business the way you know how um but what a game man yeah. like that's and i don't know that i would be thinking that way had the chiefs lost at least not immediately mm-hmm. um you know cuz i like one of the first things that came to mind was like the chiefs rams game um, you know, back during Pat's 50 touchdown season, like that was a tremendous game, back and forth, weird turnovers, lots of points, yada, yada. And like, it took me a day, but I remember s- stepping back and thinking, like, wow, that, like, that was a fantastic game. It would have been awesome if the Chiefs won, but that was a fantastic game. And I'm thinking the same way this one. And it's a lot easier to immediately think that when your team wins. Right. Um, and what do you have, Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, knowing it's not over? Yeah, right.
1: You got the future still in front of you.
2: No, no question.
1: Packers fans, I'm going to guess a little bit more difficult for them to swallow that loss compared to even Bills
2: fans. I feel for them because they've had the best quarterback in the league for how many years now? You know, they've had like what thirty years of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, and they have two Super Bowls. Like, I'd be mad. I'd take two Super Bowls.
1: You give me me two Super Bowls over the next thirty years and some great football that goes along with it. Yeah, you're frustrated, but. Yeah, one in the hands better than two in the bush, and well, as I said, it's been a long, long time since I saw a Super Bowl champion. Thirty-six years since I seen a Super Bowl championship for my team. So
2: I'm not even thirty years old yet. Yeah,
1: man, you you are a youngster. So <laughs> you grew up in an era, though. Kansas City, for the most part, solid team had some good offenses with Vermeil there, but never could get over the hump. And I remember kind of the era before it. Some boring football, especially coming off the heels of the 90s teams where you had Christian Akoya in the early 90s, and they went through a drought. And I remember going to college, and and my first— I was surprised because in North Iowa, we didn't get many Chiefs games. We basically got the best AFC game was what we had on because it was all Vikings all the time. Vikings were on every single week. Didn't matter who they're playing, if they're out of contention, whatever it was. We always got the Vikings. in the AFC, there just weren't many Chiefs fans. And when I moved to Iowa City, and in Eastern Iowa, we— we're getting a lot of Chiefs games. Not everyone, but a lot more than what I was used to. What's this? And there was some boring brand of football at that time. <laughs> it was before Vermeer got there. I'm like, well, we gotta watch this garbage every single week. Well, I guess I'm gonna have to go to the field house and watch the games there as opposed to <laughs> watching Kansas City in my dorm room every single time. So you grew up in an era though, Chiefs and I mean, is that the biggest thing in the Kansas City area? Are the Chiefs far and away number one? The Royals had that long, long drought, of course, before they got to the playoffs and ultimately a World Series. But what Kansas City football, I guess, means down there, it's, it's just got to be ridiculous. And now seeing what it is today.
2: Yeah, like it's always, you know, people who argue that Kansas City is is a football town or a baseball town, like they're totally missing the point that it's both. Mm-hmm. Like Kansas City is one of those rabid sports towns that will rally around its teams for a number of reasons. Um, but yeah, like the, the since... Since Pat, like, not even when we drafted Pat, because I feel like there were, you know, half the city's like, do we really want this guy? Yeah. Like, and then the other half of the city's like, oh, OK, like this, you know, this this can be really good. Like, let's trust Andy Reid, yada, yada. Um, I, it was his first season as the starter when everybody was like, oh, my gosh we have that guy mm-hmm. and since then it's just been all red all the time everywhere like you know and credit the chiefs for just going all out when it comes to marketing and really just kind of rallying the city behind them like that's it's i it's it's been a lot the the city's definitely there's a shade of red over the city mm-hmm. um you know and this is even you know like the royals have had a lot of really really good players over the years like you mentioned the 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 run in 14 and 15 um you know i would argue that the Royals wild card win in 2014 might be the greatest sports moment that city has ever seen. Against the A's, was that
0: the game? Uh, yeah, 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 where they yeah. you know
2: where they came back and they beat John Lester yeah. and, and all that, and they ended up going to the World Series. They didn't win it, but like that, like that exercised a lot of sporting demons um, in a way that I'm not sure the Chiefs could have ever matched it fully. Um, but I tell you what, the 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 continual like rabid fandom surrounding the Chiefs since Pat got there, since they, you know, I mean the four straight AFC championship games, like mm-hmm. you know, like that's it's a little insane. And I think that there, there's a lot of people down in Kansas City and, and Chiefs fans all over the country who are just kind of taking a step back and just kind of enjoying the ride a little bit more. Um just cuz we we know what we've got now as opposed to like you know like in, in terms of i don't know like it's 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 been a lot of fun the last few years to just kind of watch these guys um do their thing and it's I don't know. Like it's it's I, you can you, know, you probably see it on my face. It's a little bit hard to describe because, yeah. like you said, you know we we had like Trent Green and Matt mm-hmm. Castle and Alex Smith and you know the Todd Haley experiment and like <laughs> you know Trent, like Dick Vermeil's Chiefs are really what kind of hooked me into being a Chiefs fan, right? Like there was you know Priest Holmes in the greatest offensive line ever assembled and Tony Gonzalez and none of those teams got it done, right? Like right. that was you know and then. You know, we get a unicorn quarterback and actually, you know, like like, we should probably give some love to Alex Smith because he's the one that actually secured the first playoff win and, you know, that I could like that I could remember, Um, you know, and then Pat came in and and we're kind of seeing what what it's been like since. But, yeah, it's it's it, you know, for a long time, Chiefs fans kind of prayed for everything to go right because that was the only shot we had. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, okay, we, we have one of those quarterbacks now. Let's see. How long we can keep doing this. And it's been a lot of fun.
1: Uh, it's been, it has to be incredible. I'm hopeful that I got a guy like that in the future in fields. <laughs> uh, certainly not the build up that we saw uh, in year number one. The Bears one should just now. hire
2: Eric B. Enemy and then you guys you know, will be set for a decade. We
1: tried that Chiefs route with Nagy and that didn't
2: go I, real I well. I can understand why you're a little scarred. Yeah, a little,
1: just a little
2: <laughs> bit. And they're talking to uh, what?
1: Uh, Poles right now to be the new GM. Uh, he's part of the conversation there for the Bears. Looking for that one. So we're going to talk more Chiefs football again later in the hour. Cody's going to be with us here the next couple of days, so we'll start to break things down and, and try to put that game behind us and get ready for next week, which it's got to be such a difficult task. You told me before the show today, Cody, It just it's hard to just swallow it and get ready for next week just because of what an epic game is, and that's just you and me just talking about what we saw. For the players, there's got to be a little something about that, too, coming off that kind of performance, and frankly, it's Cincinnati sitting in front of you. That's all that's between you and getting back to the Super Bowl for the third straight year.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, the good thing is that the the players are the ones that have to focus in and do the film work and go to practice and play the games, right? So we can we can sit here and, and BS about whatever. Um, no, I think the you know just kind of knowing the the roster makeup on the Chiefs, like they're they're going to walk in focused. They're going to walk in with a chip on their shoulder because the Bengals beat them in the regular season, right? Like they're running, you know, like and we I kind of saw this when the AFC playoff picture was finalized that they would probably have to beat at least two teams mm-hmm. that they lost to in the regular season, right? They dispatched one of them in the Bills. That was an epic game last Sunday, um, you know, and they're going to have to do it again against Cincinnati, who has another fantastic quarterback. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the, the, Bengals, the Bengals can absolutely win that game. Um, I think if the Chiefs are just a little bit smarter this time around, I think they can, you know, I'm not going to say that they're going to run the Bengals out of the building, but I think they can win comfortably. Um, I think it's going to be a tremendous game because, You know, conference championship weekend always features two really, really good football games. Um, Yeah, I you know, it's it was kind of like I don't want to say it's going to be a letdown because that's kind of how my like the vibe is going to come across here. But like, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, the Chiefs and the Bills going after each other is like Godzilla and King Kong. And it's like, okay, you won that fight. That was probably the hardest game you're going to have the rest of the way, right? And that's not also discounting. You know, the 49ers have seemed to put a lot of good things together. Um, the Bengals can obviously still win the game, and also the Rams seem to have figured it out, right. right? With with Stafford and Cup and OBJ and and the defense with Von Miller and Aaron Donald. Like that's just that's a very scary team. I the Bills were specifically and strategically built and designed to beat the Chiefs, and like you know that was like the number one ranked defense in the league, mm-hmm. like by DVOA, right? And the Chiefs hung 42 on them. Like, that's, you know, like, I I don't know. Like, I that to me was, I'm not saying that that game was the quote-unquote Super Bowl. Um, I don't think the Chiefs will have, you know, if they go the distance, mm-hmm. if that big if there, because they still got to win the games, if they go the distance, I'm not sure they will have a harder, tougher opponent than the Buffalo Bills. Like, yeah, I
1: think that's fair. Yeah, I,
2: absolutely. I, I don't think, it's hard to come up with
1: a a very succinct, difficult nature of, you know, they're going to struggle with Cincinnati because of this. I'm not seeing a whole lot there, be it the 49ers or the Rams. I think the Rams are a more difficult opponent, but still, they're going to be a big favorite in that game. I got to figure they're certainly, regardless of who it is in the Super Bowl, they're going to be favored by more than a field goal. I'd guess probably three and a half it's the Rams, four and a half, five if it's the 49ers. That's kind of where my numbers come to right now. So they're going to be a pretty significant favorite. They're favored by a touchdown against Cincinnati this week. It's all there. And two championships in three years—not bad.
2: Not fingers bad for the f- end of the fingers crossed, man. We got—we got to get there first. Got to get there one, game, one game at a time.
1: All right, Cody. Uh, little hoops last night. Of course, Ken and I always like to look back at whatever was going on. It was Big Monday, our first time without a Monday Night Football game in a long time. Y'all know
2: it's wrestling season, right?
1: It, it is wrestling season, <laughs> and don't worry, we're going to get into that. But for the Big Twelve hoop fans, last night you were hit with one of the best games of the regular season. Texas Tech down twelve in the game, and I was at that point. All right, is this going to turn to a blowout? Now, I had a rooting interest. It was one of the picks I gave out yesterday, as I do each and every day at the end of the day, presented by Circus Sports, and I had Texas Tech plus the 7 last night, and it's at 12. Oh, boy. It looks like it's over, and that crowd's rocking and rolling. And Have you ever been to a Kansas basketball game? I know you're a wrestling guy, but... Grown up in the area, did you ever have an opportunity to get to Allen Fieldhouse for that?
2: I have never been to Allen Fieldhouse. That is actually, so my sister is a diehard Jayhawks fan. Mm-hmm. Her and her husband, huge, huge um, Kansas fans. To the point where I, I actually, I get them um, Kansas basketball tickets every okay. year for Christmas. Just, you know, kind of a date night. Here you go, mm-hmm. you know, drop the kids off and, and go have a night. That's a
1: pretty easy uh, gift too, right? Don't you have to think just about perfect, it Perfect, man. Yes. It's, it's
2: just like, you know, because my brother-in-law's in the Air Force, so it's like, okay, okay, hey, like which weekend in January, February, March are you free, and then yeah. it's, you know, hey, go have a fun night or weekend in Lawrence. Um So I, I follow the program. Okay. Um, I grew up a Mizzou fan, admittedly. You like, did? Okay. Still, still a Mizzou fan, but like, it's hard. So help
1: me out there. Family? Or just you were on that side of the border. You said the heck with those Kansans.
2: Yeah, I was just you know I grew up on the on the Can- on the Missouri side of Kansas City. Uh-huh. Um, you know, a lot of people just assume Kansas City. Oh, it must be in Kansas. Like, no, it's nope. it's definitely you know Kansas City, Missouri was established before Kansas was a state. Um, love that fun fact. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just I grew up on the Missouri side, uh-huh. and you know that was the fun rivalry when you're you know elementary, middle school, high school like mm-hmm. Missouri KU. Was like- it
1: pretty split? At least at your school?
2: Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Fi- like probably 50-50, yeah. you know. So, the Mizzou-KU football games, especially, like, you know, my freshman year of high school, 7 08, when they were 1-2 in the country, right. like, that was, like, those were, those were a lot of fun. Um, you know, the basketball games before Mizzou shipped off to the SEC, like, there they were tremendous basketball games, um, you know, between the two teams. But, like, I mean, you always had to respect Kansas and what they were able to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, you know, at that age, it's, it's probably a lot more jealousy than respect. But then, as you get older, it's just like, wow, Bill Self won this conference. How <laughs> yeah. Many times in a row, uh-huh. like like you know, tip your cap to that guy. Right, thirteen in a row. Finally, Baylor ended it
1: last year and goes on to win a national championship. The game last night, I swear, I don't watch every Kansas basketball game, but I watch them a lot. Obviously, because of proximity, talking Big Twelve, and they're a fun team to watch. They like, are. Let's say it. <laughs> and every time I watch Abaji. I swear, that dude, Like, how is he not in the league? He is so good. Had an incredible dunk at an alley-oop part of that run that got him up 12 and felt like it was over. But it was back and forth. And that Texas Tech team, Mark Adams taking over. And you figure, at least to me, Chris Beard leaves. Chris Beard, for my money, is as good as you're going to find in college basketball. He took Texas Tech, an awful basketball program, two minutes away from winning a national championship. Got him to the final four in the, the final game up in Minneapolis a couple of years ago. All right, he leaves, an assistant takes over, and we've seen this song and dance before, right? Assistant comes in, they're going to be okay, and then they kind of fall back. But Mark Adams, what he does and does defensively, he's as good as you're going to find, too. I really like what he's done with this program, and I think there's sustainability for Texas Tech. But for Kansas, it goes back to the old hat for me. Time in and time out, they just find dudes. They find guys out there. They're changing lineups. It's Braun out there. Brown out there, not Braun, spelled Braun, pronounced Brown, and I get it wrong every single time. They just got so many dudes, and it doesn't matter the big guys inside what they're going to be. Kansas, they're going to be great once again. It's kind of like we look at the future of Kansas City and the Chiefs and what they have going forward. Kansas basketball self just, it's a self sustaining model that he's built there. And maybe did it in different ways in the past, and now, well, you don't have to go behind the table to get those things and those good players in there, right? You can just do everything above the board.
2: Yeah, right. Um, it's it's funny. Um, I think it, I, it, if I remember this story correctly, back when you know Mizzou was going through a hiring phase and before Bill Self went to Kansas, mm-hmm. um, Missouri had the opportunity to hire Bill Self. Oh, really, and they did not. Clearly, um, so he ends up going to Kansas. They remain a blue blood. Missouri has been fumbling through. I don't know how many coaches since yeah. then, but you know there's there's been some ebbs and flows, some ups and downs, and um, yeah, man, like it's just it's really it's really hard not to respect what Kansas has been able to do. Um, you know, whether they go the Juco route, whether they bring in highlight like five star, four star recruits or whether they bring in, you know, kind of under the radar guys that for whatever reason just haven't gotten the recruiting publicity like Bill Self just finds a way to build and roll out a very, very, very good college basketball team every single year. And it's 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 hard not to respect that. Um, you know, for the longest time a Mizzou fan, like you, you you try to resist it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the whole old like Norm Stewart thing where you don't you don't spend any money in Kansas whatsoever just because you don't like the Jayhawks. Um, nah, man, like it's you know I don't watch a ton of college basketball. Admittedly, mm-hmm. like it's just like I'm just way too wrapped up in the wrestling bubble this time of year, but. Um, you know, if I can catch highlights of Kansas, like you know, that's that's it's a little bit of a draw uh, closer to home for me. So it's it, you know it's always kind of fun to just kind of see what dudes they have year in and year out. Well, spec- speaking of the
1: wrestling bubble, we started things off with uh, AJ Ferrari news. How about Friday night over at Carver Hawkeye Arena? Get us ready for Iowa Penn State. Of course, Hawkeyes will be wrestling the rest of the season minus Spencer Lee after he went down uh, some pre- procedures on the knee. Try to get him right. What we're looking at on Friday night and going forward. Is Penn State now the favorite to ultimately win the national championship?
2: Yeah, man, this is an easy stage to set, right? Number one, Penn State. Number two, Iowa. Um, this is a duel that sold out in early November, right? <laughs> like before the season even officially yeah. started, at least competition-wise. Um, Iowa is eleven and zero overall this season. Penn State's thirteen and zero overall this season. Iowa has won twenty-nine duels in a row. Penn State has won twenty-four in a row, dating back to when Iowa beat them nineteen to seventeen during the nineteen twenty season. Um, You know, we're going to see a lot of, you know, Penn State is bringing four returning ncaa champs to carver that night um you know they've got a lineup that's going to feature at least three other ncaa all-americans like that's you know um do the math there iowa obviously without without spencer lee but you know like they've got austin DeSanto, they've got jayden ironman returning finalist, they've got michael Kemmer returning finalist tony cassiope and jacob warner and alex marinelli and caleb young all these other guys that have been all americans throughout their careers like it's it's going to be a banger Um, You know, is Penn State the favorite moving forward? Um, You know, I would say the early returns at the moment may be, um, but perceptions can change um, in big duels like this. So this is an opportunity for Iowa to kind of set the tone for the regular season. So as to say like, hey, like we may not have our spark plug big point score at 125 pounds, but... We're not going to go down without a fight, right? Mm -hmm. So it's you know this is kind of the first round of a three round fight, so to speak, right? Because Big Ten championships are in early March. Um, You can throw Michigan into that mix as well. I really like the way that they've kind of built their program over the last few years, and they have a really really good team this season. So Iowa, Penn State, Michigan um, at the Big Ten championships, and then the Big Dance, obviously in Detroit um, in mid March for the for the NCAA championships. I think it's going to be really fun. But obviously Friday night's big. It's important because it's the next big thing, and. It's you know it's it's going to be a tone setter right for yeah. for the rest of the season and it's going to kind of give us a lens through which we will view the rest of the season just based on how each team performs.
1: We'll continue to break that one down, Cody, in for the next couple of days for Ken here on Miller and Connor. And before we hit our first break, let's give you a chance to win a thousand dollars. Now this would be great, Cody, because we do this every single day. It's the $1,000 slam dunk is what we call it this time. For you and me, let's call it the $1,000 takedown. We'll try to get <laughs> some wrestling in here and make it happen there. But Ken, he is incredibly passionate. He wants to always be you know, the first, the first of our four local shows to be able to give away the $1,000. So what you do, you go to KXNO.com. You put in the keyword, the keyword for today in the 10 o'clock hour is bank. Go there right now, and if we win while Ken's on vacation, he's going to be so upset that he wasn't here for it. Let's make it happen. Let's make somebody $1,000 richer. Again, KXNO.com, put in the keyword bank. It's your chance to win $1,000. When we come back on the other side, going to get back into some football. Talking Packers, the end of the season Maybe the end of an era. Dave Sinekin, he'll join us next. He's the head cheese as we roll through. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3. Problem? Call
0: 1-800-BETS-OFF. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.
1: Rolling through a Tuesday edition. Trent Condon joined today by Cody Goodwin of the Des Moines Register in 4 Ken. Miller and Condon, 106.3 KXNO. Saturday night, I was invested in the 49ers. Cody, I was telling you before the show today, I'm I'm heavily invested. I got a future bet on the 49ers that will return a big payoff. So I'm a huge 49er fan. Packers 49ers Saturday night. Were you locked into that one, or was it all wrestling for you Saturday?
2: I was watching the girls' state wrestling championship finals. So uh-huh. I, I I so by the time I sat back down on press row and finished writing, I had heard that. Um, the Niners kicked a field goal to win the game so I was like hold up what what in the world happened right because like the Packers were just so good this year so I'm very invested in this segment though
1: no doubt about it Dave Sinekin joining us he is the head cheese our Packers guy all throughout the season Dave it's another playoff loss for Aaron Rodgers and company regular seasons have been great but under LeFleur during these last three years a lot of frustration how do you swallow it as we come to you here on a Tuesday
0: well, I don't think you really do. I think you choke it out at some point. It's, um, yeah, this one hurt. This one stung because as we've talked all throughout the season, this was you know the last dance is kind of a fun slogan to use and to borrow from the Bulls, but it really was uh, the Packers' year to to put all their chips in the middle and uh, realize that big change is going to come to their roster, and they had to really make this year count and. Yeah, I mean, the Stars seem to be aligned They're the Super Bowl favorites across the league heading into the playoffs. Uh, They get a full-packed stadium this time, not an empty stadium, and they look like the best team, at least in the NFC. So to lose in the divisional round is, um, as I said in my blog, it's kind of like, all right, after seeing the number one seed the next two years and not getting to a Super Bowl, I think it's time to try something else. I mean, what are we doing here?
1: You had the opening drive that they take the seven nothing lead. Looked like it was going to be fourteen nothing before uh, Warner made the play punching the ball out. Just overall, though, after that, what happened to the offense? What can you point to? Forty ers defense is good. There's no doubt about it. But how did it go? Kind of so wrong so quickly inside the game?
0: Yeah, that's the uh, sixty four thousand dollar question. We know special teams uh, ultimately really cost this team, but I put the offense at about the same guilt level because. It seemed like, you know, D'Amico Ryan's made some adjustments to try to take Devontae Adams away deep and to really try to make the offense one-dimensional by just stopping the running game. And, you know, what would, would really just boggled my mind is you go through three quarters of football and every single pass that Rodgers threw was at either Adams or Aaron Jones, other than one pass to Josiah Deguara. So, Al Lazard, Randall Cobb, you know, two guys they really had counted on throughout the season and had been very productive, weren't even sniffed at. And when that defense is putting that kind of attention toward number 17, it just boggles my mind that LaFleur couldn't make the adjustments to say, all right, we know what works against this team. It happened in week three. Get the ball out of Rodgers' hands quickly. Spread the ball around. Get the running backs involved in the passing game and and neutralize that pass rush. And uh, he wasn't able to do it. And the makeshift offensive line that they went with Saturday night uh, was not up to par either. And then late, losing A.J. Dillon, who was forced to play special teams and uh, suffered some friendly fire by breaking a rip. He's not out there when you got a 10-3 lead with the ball after a big fourth-quarter stop on your own, whatever it was, 25-yard line, five or six minutes to go. Now you hand the ball to number 28 to see if you could end this game. And he wasn't available. So I just, you know, it was kind of a snowball. But I think LaFleur and Rogers, probably Rogers at the top, I think the biggest culprit in that loss.
1: I've heard comments and seen it and not the jokes and the memes that are on Twitter and Facebook and social media, and they're plentiful ripping on Aaron Rodgers. No, in the course of the game, he had his hands in his hand warmer. I don't know. Do you buy the, the theory that he did look disinterested, that he wasn't as gauged as a guy should be with a home playoff game, or is that just people looking for something to throw some fire at Aaron Rodgers?
0: Yeah, I've heard that too. And I got asked that question uh, at another station yesterday. And I know I probably look at it from a different perspective, and that wouldn't even occur to me that, that that would be what you would consider when you look at his body movements, and facial expressions. I don't know. I just can't imagine how he wouldn't be 100% fully engaged because you know he's an odd guy. we, mm-hmm. He's got an honor as the year has gone on. But it does matter to him where he ends up in the legacy of great quarterbacks and winning his second Super Bowl. Is the reason he's still playing? He's got more money than he'll ever need. No one's ever going to question the talent, and he'll be in the conversation always for one of the great throwers of the football. But he hasn't been a winner. You know, he's seven and nine since the Packers won the, the Super Bowl, and five of those nine losses have come at home. That matters to him, and I, I can't believe after everything he said leading up to this playoff game, and as throughout the course of the season, how he loved this team, favorite year he's had in football. Um, and how he got his team together late in that Ravens game when they knew they had wrapped up the North. and During a huddle, took the time to say, you know, snip the roses, enjoy this. It means something to win a division. It's not our ultimate goal, but it's a big goal. I mean, he just seemed so engaged throughout the year. I don't know if he got run down as he saw the way special teams was kicking the game away and it got into his head, but I just I can't buy distracted and not into it. I feel like his legacy is really important to him.
1: Talking with Dave Sinek and the head cheese as we take a look at the Packers and put a cap on the 2021 season. Dave, from there, of course, the future becomes the biggest question, what this means for Aaron Rodgers. Where are we at this point? Where? What do you know? What can you tell us? And, and give us a peek into what you think is going to happen going forward, what, leading to the NFL draft?
0: Yeah, well, I think we'll know a lot sooner what's going to happen than, than what we dealt with last year, that's for sure. Now, you know, Matt LaFleur was very public on Monday and said, top of the organization down. We want Aaron Rodgers back. We want him here until he retires. That's what they're saying publicly. Uh, so now it's up to Aaron Rodgers, who's our, who met with LaFleur for a couple hours yesterday, to decide if you know he's willing to come back. And uh, He has one year left on his deal. Uh, if he comes back, they would tear up that year and sign him to a new whatever, three, four, five year deal, whatever, to make the money as tolerable as possible, and then turn their attention to Devontae Adams. And if you heard what Rodgers said shortly after the game, you know, he, if you parse what he said, he said, I want to come back, but if I do come back, I'm not going through a rebuild. I want to be able to compete for a Super Bowl. And the reason he said that was he knows that if they bring him back and are able to get Devontae Adams back, they're probably not going to have anybody else left on the roster that's not on a rookie contract. They're going to have to part ways with, you know, the Darius Smith, Preston Smith, Devondre Campbell, Rasul Douglas, Adrian Amos on defense. They're going to lose Billy Turner and probably Lucas Patrick on the offensive line. They have no other receivers on their roster, no serviceable tight ends beyond DeGuara. So, yeah, they got some nice core players, uh, you know, two all pro linemen who should be back and healthy, two stud running backs, two good cornerbacks, uh, a nose tackle, and a safety. But the team's going to look a whole lot different. So, I I think he wants to try to be assured that can we compete? Yeah, we could probably compete in the North because everybody's Mm -hmm. terrible, but can we compete for a Super Bowl here? And if he decides, you know, it just doesn't seem to be working, let's find a partner, then I think there's, you know, two, three, four teams that will roll out the red carpet and make a deal with the pack. And if you're asking me now that it's legal to bet in Iowa, if they put that on a ticket down there, my bet's that he's played his last game as a Packer and they – end up shifting him out to an AFC team.
1: You know, that's interesting, Dave, because when I heard the comments from Rogers after the game about not being part of a rebuild and you kind of scratch your head, I mean, you, you look at the roster as it's currently constructed, you say, well, that's stupid. That's an idiotic comment. But the way that you lay it out there, I know that they're in salary cap hell, what forty $40 million over the cap right now. I think it's them and the saints that are kind of the most trouble there. And when you break it down that way, it makes a whole lot of sense. So, who does make sense? A trading partner for Green Bay, Denver, Pittsburgh, New Orleans, but I don't know if they can make it work financially. Those are some that at least jump to the top of the mind. Any other names, teams that you anticipate are going to be involved here in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes?
0: Well, my guess is you rule out the NFC. There's no way that Green Bay is going to trade him within the conference, and I think Rodgers understands that. Um, he had there had been some reports last summer that cities and, and teams that might interest him included Denver and Las Vegas. Um, I'd have to think Miami would be in the mix again, depending on what coach they, they bring on. And I think that's going to be the first hint. I mean, my my hunch has been Denver all along um, because they are ready built. They're just, they seem to be more like a quarterback away from competing. Now we know what kind of competition he would have in the AFC West with, with Mahomes and Herbert, but, you know, if if Denver brings Nathaniel Hackett in as their head coach, and he's reportedly one of two or three finalists and was there yesterday for a second interview and float in on the private jet by the owner, and there are, are certainly ownership issues in Denver, but he and Nathaniel Hackett are tight as thieves, and that would be a very palatable destination for him if that's his head coach, knowing that they've got three really good receivers, though one, I'm guessing Jerry Judy, the cheap one, would probably come back to Green Bay as part of a trade package. Mm -hmm. But between Corlin Sutton and Tim Patrick and Noah Fant and Javante Williams and a really good defense, I think Rodgers believes that's one place where he has a chance to, all right, maybe not win the division, but get into the postseason and then maybe try to change his postseason resume a bit with a new team.
1: Well, Ken's in California right now vacationing. I I hope he's not listening to us. I hope he's actually enjoying (laughs) his vacation, but – I know one thing. He'd be, he'll be salivating at the thought of that. I think he's trying to tell himself, and he said as much yesterday during the show, he thinks Rodgers is going to be back. Well, give us a percentage, a percentage chance that they make this right and Rodgers is back. Is it 25%, something like that?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I'm, obviously, I'm not over there and a real part of it uh, here up in the Twin Cities. But you know, for a guy that's followed this team for well, close to 50 years, um, I... I My spidey sense tells me there's about a thirty five to forty percent chance he's back. Okay, sixty to sixty five, he's gone. Um, You know, if it's me and I'm Ryan Gunderkunz before that playoff game, I would have said, "Yeah, I mean he's an odd duck, but he's a good leader. His teammates love him. We've won forty games the last three seasons. Of course, I want him back. I figured out that I took love because he didn't look so good the last couple years, but now he's won two MVPs." I'd be foolish not to ride with him. But man, after another number one seed crashes and burns, this time in the first round of the playoffs, uh, against a team that had been on the road three straight weeks and six out of eight with a banged-up quarterback, it's just if this roster couldn't get it done with Aaron Rodgers, how do I think it's going to get better? So, I think ultimately if Goody knows he can get a couple number ones, maybe a couple threes or one three and a player, uh, knowing that his roster is going to be depleted and he needs a uh, injection of young talent, I still think that's the way he ends up going and that he parts with him.
1: Final crystal ball for you, Dave Sinekin joining us, the head cheese. Jordan Alexander-Love, is he the quarterback or is it quarterback X? You get the field or Love, Rogers is gone. Who's a starter game one next year?
0: Well, it's Jordan Love, 100%. Okay. Um, maybe they bring in uh, a veteran. I certainly hope they do. Uh, they did re-sign uh, their third-string guy, Kurt Benkert, yesterday to a futures contract interesting dude but you know do you want him a heartbeat away maybe maybe you can't afford a veteran backup it's all going to depend yes. on the cap but uh, no you invested a first round pick in jordan love he's learned the system for two years he's watched one of the greatest uh practice and lead and, and he's gotten the best leadership you could have you got to see what you got with him if you move on from rogers so yeah i think a hundred percent if they move on from aaron Jordan Love is the starting quarterback week one next
1: season. Dave, I anticipate we'll be talking plenty here this offseason, maybe more than most, as we get ready for the draft. Dave Sinekin, the head cheese. As always, appreciate your time, Dave. Thanks for joining us today.
0: My pleasure, boys. Take it easy. That's Dave
1: Sinikin the head cheese. Find him on Twitter, at Cheese, and you can follow him there as he takes a look at the Green Bay Packers and with us all season long. Packers done, and Cody Goodwin, Aaron Rodgers out.
2: That'd just be so weird to me. Like, I don't know, like as an as a as a fan of a team in the AFC conference, like it would be very intriguing to see him in like Denver because right. then like name a division that has a better four oh. set of quarterbacks, right? Pat, Rogers, Herbert, you know, Derek Carr. I know mm-hmm. he did not get as much love, but that's I mean he's a tremendous leader and and you know, when the system is working, very good quarterback, very efficient quarterback. Um you know that could. I mean that would that would make the AFC West much watch football yes. more so than it already is, and it's already great. Yeah. So I I don't know. I it would be very weird to see him move on, but you know we've been hearing these whispers for how many off seasons yeah. now. You know, and then with the whole Jordan Love thing a few years ago, like he's obviously turned it up to MVP levels again. And I don't know. I don't know. This this is one of those situations where like one, I'm really glad I'm not on the Packers beat because yeah. this would drive me nuts
1: uh-huh. and have to do it and had to do it. Yeah, you, know, you think of the guys that have been on the beef forever and had to do it with Brett Favre and the retirements. And right. Year in, year out and having to deal with that. Now you got the same type of thing happening here with Aaron Rodgers. One thing I brought up yesterday, is I do wonder, Aaron Rodgers, he's going to demand his way out, whatever way. And, all right, it's got to be an AFC team. But if you're Aaron Rodgers and you look at it, all right, so if I get traded to either Denver or Vegas, two of the more likely destinations that we've heard, all right, you're going against Mahomes and Herbert. You're also going to an AFC that has Joe Burrow. You're going to an AFC that has Josh Allen. You say, I understand. Jones,
2: Trevor Lawrence. You you want to trade me to the
1: other conference, I get it. But, boy, it'd be a lot softer landing spot to go to the NFC because who's a great young quarterback in the NFC?
2: Uh, <laughs> Justin <laughs> <Right>. Fields, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, Justin. the jury still out on like him and um, you know Trey Lance in San Francisco. Like even Dax,
1: twenty eight; he's not a young quarterback by any means. He's right. been around
2: for six years. Yeah, no, so, that's I mean that's that's a
1: really good point. And you are beating your head against there. What's the easier path to get to the Super Bowl? It's the NFC. Yeah, and for years that was never the case, but I think it's the case now. When you look strictly at quarterback play, the AFC at least young quarterbacks has got a big big step up there. Ultimately, they're going to want to trade him the other way. Denver, I I think they're the favorite. They're the favorite to get him. They have a package that would make sense. They have the picks. They have young guys that they could trade also. I think that's the betting favorite right now is him being a Denver Bronco. And we saw it happen before with Peyton Manning. Though Peyton wasn't great in that Super Bowl season, he was able to do just enough. I don't think this defense is certainly that Bronco defense that they had, but no, but they're good. And the AFC West, as you said, can you imagine that? good stuff
2: yeah you know and then the other thing that makes denver intriguing is you can you can pair them with a coach right because right. they're you know I'm, it, fangio's out right yes yep okay i'm see i'm so insulated in the wrestling bubble that i don't even know <laughs> big news like that but yeah like you you know you can find a coach to pair them with um you know th- that can be part of the trade conversation mm-hmm. um yeah denver makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons so i you know as a general football fan let's go let's yeah. do it sign me up those those afc west games are going to be must watch football as as a chiefs fan it's like all right, maybe we'll finally see Pat versus Aaron Rodgers, right? right? Because yeah. the few times they were supposed to meet up, they uh-huh. they haven't for various reasons. Green Bay so. didn't show up. Yeah. Well, Rodgers didn't show up. What? Well, and
1: then this past year?
2: I was going to say, this past year, Rodgers wasn't there. Right. Um, and then I think it was two years before that, that no, was Holmes when Pat had his knee thing. Yeah. So, you know, that's, hey, we get it twice in one season. <laughs> we're going to come back on the other side. Cody mentioned he missed the Packer 49er
1: game on Saturday night. He was over in Coralville covering the Iowa Girls State Wrestling Tournament. Now, it is going to be a sanctioned event next year. We'll talk about that with Cody, what that means going forward, a whole lot more as we take you till noon. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3. Time. with you on a Tuesday. Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Cody Goodwin in 4K. I'm Trent Condon with you. So Cody uh, mentioned on Saturday you were in Coralville. We are there both Friday and Saturday for the Girls State Wrestling Tournament. But big news even before the final bouts of the evening as they have sanctioned now Girls Wrestling. The Iowa Girls High School Athletic Union Made that choice, becoming the eleventh varsity sport, if I believe, or maybe number twelve. Regardless, next year it will be officially sanctioned sport. So, first of all, kind of the easiest question about this: what does that mean?
2: Um, it means that girls' wrestling is an official sport under the girls' union umbrella. Um, the way that they've been kind of growing the sport recently is kind of you know, like wrestling is an official sport under the Iowa High School Athletic Association, mm-hmm. the, the the boys in Boone, right? Um, and so what they've been doing is they've been creating girls divisions at tournaments to get these girls matches. Because one of the biggest barriers to growing the sport here in Iowa was that girls because there was no official girls wrestling as a sport, girls had to wrestle guys if they wanted to wrestle. And mm-hmm. we we saw a handful of them, um a handful of them, you know, do that and find success. You know, the Felicity Taylors, the Rachel Waters, um, Cassie Herkelman's Megan Blacks, Megan Black, yep. um, you know, I, all those girls just kind of paved the way um, you know, for you know, kind of asking that same question, you know, how can we open up more opportunities for girls? Okay, they only want to wrestle other girls, so, um, you know, there were a lot of concerted efforts to create opportunities like that. Um, there was a concerted effort by the Iowa Wrestling Coaches and Officials Association to create this state championship event for the girls, um, to kind of give you know, hey, like. Not only is there opportunities for you to wrestle other girls, there is an opportunity here to show that you are the best in the state. There is a state tournament, a state championship event for you girls, just like there is for the guys every February. Um, and the numbers popped, and so because of that, that the girls' union took notice. They um, continued to follow it. They continued to you know have discussions and conversations about it. And so now, girls' wrestling is is an official sport. That means girls will only wrestle girls. Um, we don't have to create girls divisions anymore. The girls union will, will operate a regular season and a postseason for them. Um, you know, and it's just a really, really cool thing. And I think it's going to open up a lot more opportunities for Iowa girls around the state because I, I mean, another barrier was that like, oh, it's, you know, girls wrestling is not an official sport. Mm -hmm. Why would I go out for something that that's not real? Right. Right. Well, it now it's real. The opportunity is here and it's, I think it's only going to get bigger and better here. There's still a lot of hurdles left to clear moving forward about how to continue to grow this thing, but, um, huge, huge step taken. Um, by the Iowa Girls High School Athletic Union, and a huge, huge um, victory, I think, for a lot of girls wrestling supporters here in the state of Iowa.
1: You look to the future, and right now, Waverly-Shell Rock, they win another team championship on the girls' side. Of course, a great boys' program on top of it, but they have numbers. Uh, My alma mater, Osage, brought home their first team title to finish third. A couple of finalists there, and it's crazy. My buddy's daughters are wrestling and wrestling for state championships, which is this wild to see, but to the future. And, you know, is it something that's going to build and you're trying to get X number of teams and then you're going to break it up and you're going to have 1A and 2A and have diff- two different fields, things like that, kind of at least the immediate future. Look at it, say, the next five years, what it's looking to build towards.
2: Yeah, I think they, you know, they, they want to... Um... You know, truthfully, they want to pass the boys' side when it comes to overall state participation. Um, you know, and I think um, that's, that's a really lofty goal. I don't know if they'll get there in the immediate five years, but but what it's going to look like, it's probably going to be a single-class system right out of the gate. Um, you know, I think I, because of the, the continued growth of the girls' state tournament hosted by the IWCOA over the last few years, um, you know, I believe next year we'll probably see some state qualifying tournaments. Um, you know, there were almost 700 girls that signed up to wrestle at this, uh, this past weekend's state wrestling tournament. Um, you know, for, for perspective or for context, there's only 672 that wrestle at the boy state tournament every February. So you've got three classes, 14 weights per class, 16 wrestlers per weight, 672 wrestlers across the three classes. Um, so. I think next you're gonna see qualifiers. It's gonna be a single class system, and you know, from there they're gonna kind of see what they can do to kind of divide the qualifiers up. um, you know, what other teams pop out of the woodwork with with programs, whether it's one girl, five girls, twenty girls. Um, you know, it's gonna be really interesting to see how this thing grows over the next few years.
1: One hour down, one more to go. Cody and Trent here with you until noon. Miller and Condon, 106.3 KXNO. Back with more here in a moment.